Episode 4 of Yo! MTG Taps. Did we post episode 3? We have not posted episode 3 yet, but it's just a little episode, so uh, we'll post them both at the same time. Sounds cool. We'll have uh, episode 3 and 4, a double feature. Yeah, last episode was only about it, probably 15 minutes long. So. According to some of the images from Rise of the Eldrazi, it seems like we're going to have some science fiction in there soon, too. Yeah, as Joe's mentioning, uh, and we had mentioned on the last podcast that there was... Uh, a leak of information in, uh, regarding Rise of the Eldrazi, which is the third set in the Zendikar block. Um, it is a large set, but it's still considered part of a Zendikar block. Uh, so what it is is Zendikar is a large set, World Wake is a small set, and then uh, in April, Rise of the Eldrazi completes the block, but it is a large set. Sort of like Shadowmoor was for uh, for Lorwyn block, but there's no... There's no small set after it. Uh, next summer is M11. So um, And then Carnage Block to follow. <laughs> well, apparently, see see what we're saying. Uh, this morning on uh, on the Magic official Magic. site, uh, Rise of the Eldrazi was confirmed as the title of the third block, and the tagline is, and Carnage will follow. So we figure it must be Carnage Block after uh, Rise of the Eldrazi. <laughs> 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 That's the next block, or the next set name is Carnage. Uh, obviously, that's not accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Unconfirmed at this time. Exactly, just a rumor. <laughs> the rumor started by us. That's right. Hopefully perpetrated by all of you. That would be great. Both of you. Um, so we're going to continue in with what we started on Episode 3 and talk about some more of the decks that are going around in Standard. What do you want to start with? So last weekend was the Star City Games 5K in Nashville, which is probably one of the bigger tournaments, uh, standard tournaments, happening right now. Although Worlds is coming up this weekend, so I'm excited to see what kind of standard decks come out of Worlds. Yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah, so last weekend was the standard 5K in Nashville, and the deck that won that tournament was the Nissa Mono Green deck that we mentioned in Episode 2. Um, it's uh, They call it Eldrazi Green. It, it's built around Nissa, a bunch of elves, uh, like Elvish Archdruid, um, and Eldrazi Monument is a pretty key card in that deck. M- makes all your creatures indestructible, uh, gives them flying, and plus one, plus one. And Nyssa being able to search up, and Nyssa ch- Nyssa's chosen every turn to sacrifice for the upkeep of the monument, uh, basically gives no drawback at all to the, to the monument. So that's a pretty ridiculous deck. Um, I haven't played with it yet. I am building it. I'd like to give it a shot. It seems really strong right now, uh, but then again, now that everybody's aware of it, it could uh, could lose some of its potency right. because people are expecting it. But when people aren't really expecting things, that tends to be when they when they do well. Just they have the element of surprise on their side. So, other decks in that tournament, I had a list, but Joe seems to have stuck it in his pockets and hasn't pulled it back out yet. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> As I tend to do. Uh, yeah, so some some of the other uh, deck lists that top eight of that tournament were uh, the Black Baneslayer deck, the five-color Cascade, which we mentioned again on episode two, uh, designed by Mike Flores, or at least 
he was working on a similar deck. I, it's pretty much almost card for card, the deck posted on his website, uh, fivewithflores.com. That deck just runs entirely off of Cascade and uh, the, the card advantage that that provides. Let's see what other decks. Uh, of course, Jund. Uh, there was actually even a Jund deck that uh, kind of went in a little bit of a different direction with Obnixilis and Lotus Cobra. It kind of had a, a landfall theme in there, and that made the top eight. Um, and a Myria aggro deck. It was mono-white. Um, basically kind of a white weenie deck that used Emiria the Sky Ruin as kind of a late game uh, option. I, ha- I haven't seen that list, but I saw somebody playing at FNM that was running like, an all-foiled out deck that was mono-white and it was running Captains of the Watch and Knight Captain of Eos, and it was running uh, Emiria the Sky Ruin to keep bringing back the uh, Captain of the Watch. And, um, you know, kept having tokens to sacrifice to the Night Captain to prevent any combat damage tried to come through towards them. It was, it was a really interesting deck, and then, of course, it had Iona in there for late game. Right. The, yeah, this deck is, uh, I got the list right now, it's like Baneslayer Angel, Devout Lightcaster, um, who is Protection from Black, uh, Knight of the White Orchid, White Knight. Sigiled Paladin, Kazandu Blademaster, uh, Core oh, wow. Cartographer, Four Honor of the Pure, um, Four Path to Exile, Celestial Purge, Ajani Goldmane. So basically it's a white weenie deck with a Myriad of the Sky Ruin as a backup plan uh, for the late game. So wow. it sounds like it's a different different idea than what it we were is, saying. It is, yeah. But it, that, that's a pretty interesting idea. The also. deck that I saw, that, that deck was really interesting. Like the guy, the guy was just stopping everything. It was kind of, it seemed really unfair just to watch him play against the other player. I'm like, God, this must be so annoying for the guy sitting on the other side of the table from him. Right. Yeah. Speaking of annoying, I, and just to elaborate a little bit more on the uh, on the Nissa deck, um, that deck also one of the key cards in that deck is Oren Reef the Vastwood. Yes. Seems like. Uh, people have discovered how strong that card is, um, especially with something like Great Sable Stag, which I got to experience firsthand the other day. Um, <laughs> Great Sable Stag, already uh, a pretty tough card to deal with when you don't have the, the right removal. I mean, Path to Exile can handle it, but I mean, basically most decks plan for Great Sable Stag is to burn it out, and with ORNV for the Vastwood, it puts it out of lightning bolt range, so the only thing, the only burn that can deal with it is uh, Chandra Nalar or a kicked burst lightning. Or, that, of course, <laughs> any of the X spells, but that's... Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Right. Um, but, yeah, Harm's Way can kind of stop that plan. Yes. So. Well, so, you yeah. want me to talk about that deck real quick? That I was yeah, sure, Yeah, we might as well. Um, so I built this deck, um, just, I was messing around for about four or five hours, just building decks just for fun and I came up with this deck it's green white and I'm calling it Flores.Tribute because it's running a bunch of the cards that uh, give Mike Flores a semi but um, it's running things like um, just a bunch of incremental card advantage it's running the Borderland Rangers it's running Elvish Visionaries um, Rocks Meditant uh, running Birds of Paradise, and it will be eventually running Noble Hierarchs, but I don't have any, so right now they're Landlord Elves. Um, but, I mean, and I know those aren't card advantage, and it's also running two Baneslayers, um, which aren't, once again, aren't card advantage, but... Pretty much every other spell in the deck is at least Gift, of the, Gargan- one. Gift yeah. of the Gargantuan. The only Zendikar card in the main deck is Oran Reef the Vastwood. I'm running three copies of it, and I'm also running... 
um, three copies of Mold Shambler in the sideboard. I'm also running four Acidic Slime main deck. And those have been really fun. Um, I don't know. They, they seem to work well. Enlisted Worms are in there. I have... I only have one copy each of a Johnny Goldmane and Elspeth, but I'm running them both. Um, and they've they've come in handy. They've been there when I've needed them. Um, it seems like it's kind of a mid-range deck in a way, but it seems like if it can ramp up decent early game, like get a Bird's turn one and do a Gift of the Gargantuan turn two, then I am usually have enough creatures to just keep dropping little incremental threats, and they don't seem like a threat. Like, I was playing against Joe. Right, and w- one of the things you said while we were playing was, I-, I feel like I'm playing an aggro deck dropping all these creatures. Why do I still have all these cards in my hand? Uh, and it's, it's the two-for-one kind of thing. Right, that yeah, you, you just keep dropping things, and it seems to survive uh, sweeps pretty well because it, it just recovers easily because there's so much card advantage in the deck. Right, and, and one of the other things, playing against the deck, um, that I noticed was I didn't really want to counter some of these creatures, counter or kill, because they don't seem like they, uh, they're really worth it. You're sitting there going, okay, well, he's got Baneslayer Angel, I need to, need to hold some kind of removal for that. But, you know, he plays a Rock's Meditant, and it's kind of like, okay, a 2-4, do I want to, you know, use the one uh, Essence Scatter in my hand for that? Of course not. So, you know, he plays that, draws a card off it, and... You know, it's kind of like he just wins the game with Rocks, Meditants, and Llanowar Elves, and Overrun. Overrun is in there. I I cut it to two copies, though, because there were these two copies of Overrun that seemed to always be stuck together, and I never wanted two of them at the same time, so I took one out. (laughs) It seems to be working better. Like, once I draw an Overrun, if you don't counter the Overrun, I pretty much win. Right. You know, that's kind of how the deck's been working, And and it seems like it's pretty effective. I have Harm's Way main deck right now, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to swap them out for Path to Exile main and then run the Harm's Way in the sideboard, just because I was playing against a mill deck, which, you know, I really like the Esper mill builds that have been popping up, and you know me, well, I've always been a big fan of, of the mill decks, but they have a pretty concentrated strategy of mill your deck really fast, and... Uh, Mind Funeral uh, seems to be a really underrated card um, for what it's worth. I think that the card has been fairly devastating when it's been played against me, even when I was playing the deck running 27 lands. Like, it was still taking me a while to get to four, you know? And uh, that can be that can be pretty frustrating, especially when you are running twenty seven lands. You assume, oh, whatever, mind funeral, and then you're like, oh my god, this just took twelve cards out of my deck. <laughs> well, in, in uh, when you combine it with archive trap and traumatize and Hedron Crab, Tome Scour, of- Twin Cast, like um, they, the, the deck just runs a lot of stuff like that. Um, it's running. I'm pretty sure it's running Esper Charms. Um, I don't know. The, I think it's a neat deck. Keith was. Keith was playing it. Okay. And and he was I I think I I think I managed to win against him. But it was a really it's I mean I like lately I've been really into decks that just focus on one particular angle and just abuse it, you know, right. just like really attack you from one angle. Um speaking of which uh another deck that goes all out is the uh red green Valakit deck. Yes. Which which you played a bit uh, Briefly, I, I put it together and I, I played it for a little while. Um, at first, I just cop. Well, at first, I tried to build my own version of the deck, just based on what I thought would work, and it was starting to frustrate me. So then I went to 
fiveflores.com and looked up that build. Who was the person who originally designed that deck he was playing with? Uh, let's see. Ridiculous Hat is his name on Twitter. Yes. Um, I'm trying to remember his real name. Ben Goodman, that's what I thought. So yeah. uh, so Ben Goodman's uh, Valakut deck. I just built that list, and Flores's list on the site did not have the Naya panoramas in it. And I was really confused for a few minutes. I, was, I had to keep counting the cards, and I was like, what's going on? Why is this not working? And then I realized that it was just three Naya panoramas that were absent from the list that he had posted. So what it, what it is in the list, um, four Bloodbraid Elves, four Expedition maps, which can search up Valakut, um, four Harrow, Colney Heart Expedition, Rampant Growth, all of those to help trigger Landfall, um, Goblin Ruin Blaster, Lava Ball Trap, Lightning Bolt, and Siege Gang Commander. Um, and so basically the entire list is centered around Valakut, the Molten Pinnacle, which uh, once it's online, it's pretty ridiculous. The problem that it seemed like you were having seemed like you were sitting there drawing, you know, play a land, play a land, play a harrow, play rampant growth, and, you know, you're sitting there just dropping lands or getting lands, and it didn't seem like... Um, it. By the time you had Valakut available, you were already in a position to lose. Um, so unless you could really combo off, like immediately, you were you were losing the game. Right. It it, it was getting frustrating. And it worked a couple times, and it was neat when it went off. But it was just it seemed like a like real risk versus reward kind of thing. You know what I mean? Right. Like high risk, high rewards. Yeah, exactly. It's like if you if you're gonna win, you're gonna win deci- like decisively, and if you lose, you're gonna lose looking like a fool right like you can go off in one turn like you can pretty much just build up suddenly get a a valakit or two valakits because all these uh zendikar lands even though they seem like they should be legendary they're not so you know you you have two valakits in play and play a harrow and suddenly you just did what 12 damage just just with that um so it can definitely kill you from 20 in one turn. The problem is getting to the point where you can set it up that way. Um, and, and part of it could be that you were you played the deck for a few hours. You weren't really... Right, uh, I, I didn't go too nuts with it or stick with it for too long. Um, but I, I played with it for a little while, and it seemed cool. Like I like the idea. I'm really looking forward more so to building an extended version of the same deck. Um, That's interesting. Something running Scape Shift. And I, I haven't looked at it. I know, um, was, it, was it Pat Chapin that was really into Scape Shift and Valakut? Yeah. Um, he was the one that first kind of mentioned that, that you could have seven lands out and then Scape Shift into six lands and Valakut to deal 18 damage in, for four <laughs> mana, uh, which is such a great idea, and I want to build a deck that's going to exploit that. Um, so, I'm, so, I'm, so I'm putting the, the Valakut thing on hold for right now. I'm not... I'm not too into the standard version of the deck, although it's cool. I think it's a cool deck. It's I'm I'm just not into it, so I'm going to hold off and, and build an extended version of the same deck and see what I can come up with. Um, now, speaking of decks that can kill you in one turn, um, <laughs> that junk mana ramp deck that you've been playing against me with um, is really really raunchy. Yeah, uh, I, I like it a lot. I think it's really cool. Um, and, you know. It helps that it's running all the expensive cards in the whole in the whole uh, <laughs> standard. standard. Right. Um, you got Elspeth in there. Uh, one copy of Elspeth, yes. Yeah, you do, don't Just you? Just the miser's Elspeth, ah. right? But uh, 
Oh my gosh, it is ridiculous. It's it is so explosive. I mean, you, again, like the Valakit deck, it's it can go off in one turn. Um, in one game, Joe was at 18 life. Um, I I did have two copies of Knight of the Reliquary in play, um, yeah. and I play Obnixilis, and it was game over. That was it because I play play Obnixilis, drop a fetch land, crack the fetch land. There's six damage, and then just do it. Uh, two more times with Knight of the Reliquary, yeah. uh, with, you know, one knight, sacred planes, get another fetch land, six damage, and the other knight doing the same thing. So yeah. you were at 18 life, and I just killed you outright from from 18. So um, the difference, though, that I feel um, is that this deck has other ways to win. There's no... Yes. It's got Baneslayer Angel in it. Um, Obnixilis can attack, actually. He can. Um, <laughs> you know, that, and that was the other thing. I'm going off. And I entirely forgot to even put counters on uh, Obnixilis. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, kill you, yeah. And it was kind of like, oh, you know what? Because as we were doing it, I, I kind of, I did the math and knew I could kill you from 18. And for some reason, while I was doing it, I calculated something wrong and suddenly thought I was going to leave you at one. So it was like, oh, wait, so he's he's supposed to be getting all these counters. Wait a minute, I know I did that math, right? And, and I realized I did. So the counters didn't matter. But the fact that uh, Obnixilis gets bigger while you're doing that is sort of, I mean, it can kind of not even be relevant because you've just killed them. So, um, and Knight of the Reliquary, I mean, by itself, it's huge. I mean, with all the fetch lands in the deck. But yeah, basically, the deck is just ridiculous with Knight of the Reliquary, um, Lotus Cobra, Soren Markov is in the deck. Um, It's like every card is a bomb. And Baneslayer Angel, as I mentioned, um, I'm trying to think of what else. I mean, what else does it need, really? <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's just... Maelstrom Pulse. Maelstrom Pulse is in it, yeah. I mean, and that's not really a bomb. It's more of an answer, but... Right. I mean, it's just... This deck seems to it's do things card. in the early game that are threatening, and in the meantime, it's setting up for this Obnixilis turn that's just going to kill you in one turn. So it's... As long as it draws the right mana, it's... I would expect it's pretty difficult to, to deal with. Um, you pretty much need to remove everything that that I play. Um, now, the other day, we played two games, and I drew no forests in either game. No no green mana sources, no verdant catacombs to search up uh, any forests. So uh, I lost those pretty easily. But, yeah, I mean, that goes for any deck that that's mana-screwed or color-screwed. It's it's a fun deck. I really like it a lot. It looks it it, it looks pretty crazy. I haven't had the chance to play with it myself, but I've played against it a few times, and I, it's not fun except for when you don't get green mana. Um, now I had asked Mike Flores actually on on Twitter what deck he liked better because he started mentioning this Naya lightsaber deck, and it looked looked pretty interesting as well. Um, essentially, what it did is take Brian Kibler's Pro Tour Austin deck, which was a zoo deck, mm-hmm. um, which uh, basically it was, um, I'm going to pull this up, Baneslayer Angel, Knight of the Reliquary, Noble Hierarch, Quasali Pride, Pride Mage, Wild Nakadal, Fort Tarmogoyf, uh, Elspeth, Lightning Bolt, Lightning Helix, Path to Exile, and Punishing Fire. Uh, that's, that's the list from Extended. Right. Now notice only Tarmogoyf, Lightning Helix, o- only those two cards aren't standard legal. Yeah. So this deck, uh, essentially what Flores did was translate this deck into standard. Um, the lands, the, the mana base is obviously a little little uh, more difficult to do, but let's see. Flores' list 
I just lost. I just had it up. It takes the Ruben Zoo list, which is what the name of Kibler's deck is, from... Uh, here it is. Okay, so Naya Lightsaber has Ajani Vengeant, Bloodbraid Elf, Wooly Thoktar, uh, Noble Hierarch, Scoot Mob, Wild Nakadal, Lightning Bolt, Baneslayer Angel, Path to Exile, and Ranger of Eos. It's a Naya aggro deck uh, that kind of goes a little bigger than the kind of traditional aggro in small creatures attacking, taking the same exact uh, idea that Ruben and Kibler did for the Pro Tour and take an, a zoo deck that traditionally has weenie creatures attacking and just make it a little bigger, just make the curve uh, go a little higher with Baneslayer Angel. So um, Ranger of Eos being able to search up Wild Nakadals, which... Uh, usually come into play as three threes, um, or just the one scoot mob, which is very, uh, very interesting. I think Flores actually says that uh, he would rather, or he would like to have a second one in there, but I think he just couldn't find room. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it it seems like a really interesting deck, and I want to try that. That's another one that really looked like fun to me. Um, Ajani Vengeant is just such a cool card, and I every time I see it in a list, I'm like. I love that card. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm running. I'm running two in my four color controlled deck, and I kind of want to run a third one. I, I really like a Johnny Vengeant. I mean, because it's a, I mean, it's Lightning Helix once it hits the board if you want, or you can keep something tapped down and yeah. then have two Lightning Helixes available. Or I just like Armageddon on you know well, on your opponent. <laughs> Armageddon, yeah. you. I, I got to use its ultimate ability once, and <laughs> it was a sweet feeling. I was like, okay, I'm. I have no fear. Go. <laughs> Like I have no, I, I I do not fear you any longer, opponent. Yeah, I, I mentioned this on my <coughs> blog was, uh, and I don't know if you you got a chance to read it, but oh, I mentioned right. that situation. We were playing, and I played um, a Johnny Vengeant and got his ultimate off on you, and you scooped up your lands, and I'm I went, oh yeah, so earlier than this, and I had this, and you're like, what are you doing? I ha- I totally thought he scooped because he was scooped of his lands. Because to me, you get hit with a Johnny's ultimate, I mean, what are you going to do? You have no lands. Um, so I just thought you were conceding, and I started talking about, you know... What you could have done. What I could have done, and things like that. And um, Yeah, so I, I just thought that was kind of funny, because <laughs> it's such a big swing. I mean, it's such a big effect Yeah. that I, I expect anybody to concede to it. And I'd actually like to hear from anybody who won a game after someone used a Johnny's ultimate on them. Yeah, if, you, uh, if you've won a game after someone pulled a Johnny's ultimate off on you, give us an email at yomtgtaps <laughs> at gmail.com. We would like to hear from you. Yeah, that, that would be a really interesting story to hear. So, uh, let's see. Some other standard options right now. See, now, after a few weeks of Jund just dominating everything, people are starting to find ways to uh, to fight it, and as, as uh, you can see from last week's results, we have now the Eldrazi green deck, which I don't know if I'd say it's as good as Jund. It obviously can beat Jund, but it, um, you know, it needs to put up consistent results against Jund to be considered, I guess, the top dog. But there do seem to be a lot of options in standard, and even... Um, I, I, we keep mentioning Mike Flores' blog, but he is consistently uh, putting out lists that, to me, seem pretty interesting. So, as we mentioned, Naya Lightsaber, Junk Mana Ramp, uh, Red Green Valakit, all these have been discussed on his blog. Uh, more recently, he he posted uh, a couple days ago about a Red Deck Wins deck, 
Um, mono red, ball lightning, burst lightning, active treason, elemental appeal, goblin guy. Active treason. That's, that's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, nice Bane Slayer. Yeah, right? let me uh, swim with it for a turn. Let me yeah. try it out. It makes me think of uh, what's the, um, the, the card from... From Alara Reborn, uh, Slave of Bolas. I was like, wow, wait, I wonder if that would be good, because that would be nice to take a Bane Slayer swing with it and then sack it, you know, get rid of it. But anyway, uh, Active Treason, uh, as you mentioned, that's obviously the answer to Bane Slayer, but it's good against other creatures. Um, just stealing, stealing someone's biggest threat and using it for a turn can pretty much end the game. I mean, it's a big swing. Um... I think it's great because I've been really, like, since Threaten's been in, like, 10th edition and stuff, I was always really interested in using Threaten, and it always seemed like a cool card to use, but I'd never seen anyone actually run it in any sort of serious deck, you know? So, yeah. I mean, obviously Active Treason is Threaten. Threaten was definitely name. in some in some lists back when it was printed in Onslaught. In um, Onslaught, yeah, but, but yeah, not recently, recently. I haven't seen it in many you lists. Know? And, yeah, Active Treason is Threaten. It's just renamed... So, uh, also in the list, Goblin Ruin Blaster, Hell's Thunder, Lightning Bolt, Plated Geopede, One Punishing Fire, which uh, he says he's taken advantage of kind of those comes-into-play tapped lands from Zendikar that gain a life. Um, th- and there's three more in, in the sideboard. So, definitely take a look at 5withflores.com if you want a more uh, elaborate or more in-depth look at that deck. Um, Mono Red is always a fun deck to play. I definitely had, had a love affair with mono red for a, a while back in i would say 1997 but hey goblins too so 2002 was also another true um another deck on five with flores is an update to the spanish inquisition deck that was uh it top aided earlier in the uh in the year basically it's a red white control deck it runs Ajani Vengeant, Burst Lightning, Chandra Nalar, Goblin Assault. That was interesting. Goblin Assault. I think yeah. that's pretty cool. Um, Day of Judgment, Lightning Bolt, Elspeth, and Path to Exile. That's, it's an interesting list. Uh, it's got the four Valakits in it as kind of a backup plan rather huh. than being rather than being like the primary game plan trying to go off with Valakit. It's just there to kind of supplement the original plan. And and, and it's a uh, it's a control deck, so I could see it getting to the point where Valakit would actually be uh, be its win condition. Yeah. But it's uh, it, it's pretty interesting. I, I think that's a cool list. Um, have to take a look at that if you're interested in another strategy for standard that is uh, is viable. So um, where's our list? Right here, folded up into a little ball, like okay. I told you I would do with all <laughs> pieces of paper that make their way into my pocket. Um, it's just inevitable. Right, right. Oh, you know what we haven't spoken about is All In Sphinx. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, it was in episode two I had mentioned. Mm-hmm. No, it was episode three. No, episode. Well, episode two you mentioned you were working on a. Um, on a four color control or five color control, I think. Right, I said and then. episode two you were cursing um, Sphinx of Jewar Isle, saying it was a terrible card and that uh, you would rip up every copy you saw. Right, and then in episode. I didn't say that, but, no. and, but then in episode <laughs> three. I had said that I had given in, and I took the Baneslayers out in favor of Sphinx of Dwar Isle for the deck, and I called the deck all-in Sphinx, and I ran four copies of the Sphinx just to kind of expose myself as a hypocrite. And um, wound up doing really well with the deck. Uh, we, we, have a, we have a tournament that we run, or I run, on Saturdays at Amazing Spiral in Hamden at the Rotunda Mall, and I played this deck and I wound up winning the whole tournament um, 
then so I was pumped up and I, I was like, okay, well I want to run this deck tomorrow at uh, at Legends because Legends in Towson on Sundays has a fairly competitive, dedicated standard crowd and they show up and they play all of the tier one decks and you know obviously there are some rogue decks there like anytime I would sign up for the past 14 years <laughs> and um but for the most part it's like a lot of really serious decks a lot of tournament level tier one decks so I wanted to try that deck out there in an environment where I typically do horrible and the first two matches of the day I felt as though I was going down the same path I go down every time I'm there. I started out 0-2, so I was doing horrible. Um, and then I won the next three rounds. I went 3-2 and made top eight, and I lost in the top eight to Jund in the first round of top eight. I got him down to one life in game three, and I couldn't seal the deal, and such is life. So what can you do, right? Um, anyway, I looked at it. I, I, sp I sat there and took like almost five minutes on that last turn because I was just like I was trying like, to find a way I was like looking for a way because I knew if I if I passed the turn he beat me and, and every situation that I looked at if I passed the turn he beat me so I had to just let him have it you right. know what can you do you know he almost lost um, I was running a swerve in that deck at the, at the time I think I may have had two copies of swerve in my hand he had enough damage on board to kill me he played a Bloodbraid Elf on his turn. Just, I don't know why. Maybe he thought I could have done something to stop him. He played a Bloodbraid Elf and cascaded into whatever. He cascaded into Putrid Leech. Right. If he would have cascaded into a Lightning Bolt or into oh a Blightning, I would have swerved it for the win. And he would have felt like an idiot. He had enough damage on the board to kill me without the Bloodbraid Elf. Wow. Yeah. So he really screwed up, and, I, and he gave me that small window to win. Yeah, one of the... One of the upsides to swerve right there would be to to swerve something like that you know in that sort of situation but as we mentioned in episode two or i mentioned is uh i, I just don't think swerve is worth uh is worth playing at least not heavily i think you need to to play other spells like negate ahead of it um play four negates if you want more counters or if you want to have swerve in the deck play one or two i i think it's it's a mistake to play that over negate. I've been I've been thinking about this lately, and I just want to get your opinion on it on on the record here. What is your opinion of twin cast as an option in place of something like swerve? You know, I'm, cause I've I've just been thinking about that lately and kind of toying with the idea of it. It's like okay, well if they're gonna blightning me, you know, why don't I blightning them too? Right. You know, I don't know or, right. or something. It seems like it's. It could be good in similar situations as Swerve, except now, instead of, you know, Swerving their Blightning, you're like, okay, you're Blightening me. Yeah, you, you Blightening me, but I Blightening you too. Like, So it seems like it has but almost more of a downside. It could, yes. I, it does have more available targets than... It does. That's, that's my Swerve. point. Like, you can, you can, you can twin cast a Cruel Ultimatum. Exactly. At, at instant speed. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, guess what? You know, I just totally you know, negated in, in a way. Yeah. Negated your cruel ultimatum. So and, and they lose a you know, they lose a creature as well. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It, it seems it seems interesting. It's something I was just thinking about. The problem is I feel like it could be a dead card in so many situations. Um, but you can also twin cast your own cards. And that's that, that's that, true. That's the point, is that you can always use it like, you know, 
offensively as well. Yeah. I feel I feel like it's a little more of a diverse card than than Swerve, where, whereas it's not as effective as stopping at stopping someone else's um, whatever the spell they're playing on you. It might not be as effective as stopping some stuff. It's also dead less, and it can be used when you play a spell as well. Right. It really just depends on what else is in your deck. If you're if you're playing, you know, think about kind of like the typical control lists. You're going to be the Day of Judgment, well, that's not something you're going to twin cast. Um, Essence Scatter, Negate, those are things you're going to twin cast. Like, what spells do you of your own do you want, or do you have in your deck available that you would ever want to twin cast? Terminate, no. uh, right. Celestial Purge. Right, so th- I'm saying there are going to be situations. You just need to look at what Esper else is Charm. in the deck. Right, I'm saying that's what you need to look at the rest of the deck. Right. It needs to definitely be, um, you need to have cards in your own deck that you want to twin cast. In order for it not to be a dead card when you're playing against a creature deck, or right, you, just you know, mostly deck accordingly, deck. yeah. So that you're, yeah. But I mean, Twin Cast was uh, that was in the Time Save deck, or at least in some copies of it. And I'm sure it's it's good in um, in mill decks. Oh, it's great in mill decks, right? Because those are uh, they're winning with spells rather than creatures. So being able to copy a, a mill spell, that's fantastic. But again, it's it has to do with the list. But I think I'd still, I, I guess I it. It depends on the deck. I can't sure. really say. <laughs> well, well, personally, I mean, I, I wound up taking the swerves out of the main deck. Out of the, I had one main deck, one sideboard, mm-hmm. and I took them both out, and I replaced, well, I was running four copies of Lightning Bolt. Now I'm running three Lightning Bolts and two Burst Lightnings, because the way I look at it, if that swerve was a Burst Lightning, I would have won the game. Right. Sim- I mean, simple as that. It's pretty simple logic, but, I mean, simple logic works best for me. So... I, I changed that, and now I'm also running... I'm not just running Sphinx anymore. I'm running three copies of Sphinx and three copies of Wall of Denial. I'm, I took the Terminates and relegated them to the sideboard, um, which I, I think isn't a bad idea if I need just a few more removal spells, but I feel like the Wall of Denial is a removal spell that stays on the board. You know, like I can use my other... That, that completely k- kills a, a creature, and Terminates weren't working... A lot of things weren't working as well against Sprouting Thrynax. Right. Um, you know, I don't want to sit here and act like I changed my deck around to just beat Jund because I was right. frustrated about losing to Jund. Although that was part of the the uh, you know, you know reason what, why I started changing it a little, but I didn't change it too much. You know what? Wall of Denial is terrible against those Baneslayer Angel <laughs> because yeah. they're just going to sit and gain life. So you're gonna have to use your removal on that. But well, I have no. removal to use. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's I just—it's just something I thought of as I was thinking. Like, yeah, Wall of Denial is really great. It's not bad against anything. And it's then I, bad I, against me. It's bad against me. It exactly. is. It's true. But that's okay. There are other spells in there to deal with Bane Slayer Angel. Yeah, I mean, Wall of Denial is a pretty cool card either way. You, like you said, you have other cards to deal with Bane Slayer and. Uh, and if they're running Bane Slayer, uh, I'll probably just side out the walls and put in Terminates. You know what right. I mean, or something. You know, but we'll see. I haven't. I haven't. I have. I, the deck is kind of a mess right now because I've been building some other decks and just playing around with those. So I kind of taken a lot of the stuff out of that deck, but it'll. It'll be back. It's it's not it's not retired by any means. Now you had mentioned one uh, mistake you made in the tournament with uh, involving Luminarch Ascension. Yes, I, I just figured that would be worth telling, it, just because it might not be something that everyone would think of. Yeah, for sure. So when I was playing against um, another four color control deck, actually, um, he had Luminarch Ascensions in the sideboard, and he sided them in. He got to play one. 
He got it onto four counters. He made two angels and was able to swing in for eight. The following turn, I had a day of judgment and an esper charm in my hand. And I don't know what I was thinking. Oh, I'll tell you what I was thinking. I was thinking that he was going to... I was, I was wrongly assuming that he had a counterspell in hand to deal with the day of judgment. Because he had a lot of mana open. He had two <laughs> angels that just swung in. You would figure he would want to avoid a sweep. So I cast the Day of Judgment first, thinking that he would try to counter the Day of Judgment, and he did not. The Day of Judgment resolved, the angels died, and I was like, oh great. So then I Esper Charmed his Luminarch Ascension, he made three angels in response, and then swung in for the win <laughs> the next turn. So what did I learn? I learned that you need to Esper Charm <laughs> that damn Luminarch Ascension before you try to deal with any creatures on the board, because if he's holding... Oh, my goodness. I mean, that was just... It literally... I mean, I, I, Paul's a good player, and Paul would have probably wiped me up in two games anyway, but... To just hand him the win like that in game two was embarrassing. I, right. I didn't know what I was... I was like, oh, great, it's going to be one of those days because that was my second loss that left me at 0-2. And it was just a miserable, embarrassing loss. And it, it should have sucked all my morale. <laughs> and, you know, and, and should have made... I, I can't tell you how many times I've gone there and gone 0-2 and just dropped so I could trade with people. Right. But I decided to just be stubborn and stick it out. I was like, I'm playtesting this deck, is what I was thinking. It's like, I'm playtesting this deck, and I'm going to play it out. And I wound up... I actually went to work an hour and a half late because I made top eight. I was like, you know what? I got, I, I got a better chance of making money here than I do at an empty restaurant. But <laughs> anyway... Um, I'm thinking of this now. I don't know if I would have in your situation, but regarding the Luminarch Ascension and you holding Day of Judgment... Um, as a as a the player with Luminarch Ascension, the Day of Judgment is like I, I wouldn't even counter it even ha if I had the counter spell because you've got a creature producer right on the board. It's kind of like all right, uh, sweep my creatures. I'll just make more. Like why I'll wait instead of wasting two mana on negate, I'll just make another angel in, uh, at the end of your turn and um, you know or obviously three angels if I have the mana for it. But my point is. Day of Judgment is a lot less threatening when you've got something on the board that just pops the creatures out, especially four four angels. I don't know if Day of Judgment would even have been worth countering. Right, probably not, but at that point I wasn't... That's what you were thinking of. And, yeah. and I might have been thinking the same thing as you at the time, I don't know, but it's just something that I thought of while you were telling uh, the story. And it's Paul, he's usually holding a counter spell. Right. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> right. Uh, one, okay, so so uh, let's see. I'm just looking at our list here, which uh, I haven't been looking at because Joe's been playing with it. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see some some decks that we haven't mentioned. Well, one we haven't mentioned is the Crypt of Agadim deck. Yeah. Um, which it hasn't. Um, I haven't seen it in like the top eight of anything. Although I could have been. I could be forgetting something. But the essential strategy of the deck is it's a, a blue-black deck that mills itself using Hedron Crab, Traumatize, um, any other mill spell that can target itself. Uh, it basically puts a ton of its own cards into the graveyard, and it uses Crypt of Agadim to produce a lot of mana and unearth all those creatures that have gone to the graveyard. 
uh, unearth them all in one turn and just swing in and win. So it's kind of a combo deck. It's a lot. Uh, it's similar to Dredge in that it's trying to put things in its own graveyard. So um, you can use Grim Discovery to pick up a creature and a land. Usually what you'll do, you mill yourself, you use Grim Discovery to pick up a uh, Crypt of Agadim out of the graveyard if you don't have one available to play or don't have one in play, or even if you do have one in play, because it's right. not legendary. Um, right. So yeah, basically you use the Crypt to produce a ton of mana to be able to unearth everything. So it's a pretty neat deck. Uh, I haven't played it, but it does... I have picked up seven copies of Crypt of Agadim. Well, that's good. One Korean language, six English. <laughs> the Korean language is in my Balthor, the Defiled EDH deck, um, which you can find on otherworldlyjourney.blogspot.com. And... Um, <laughs> Plug, 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 plug. So some of the creatures in the deck are uh, Architects of Will that you can cycle to draw into, uh, you know, mill spells that you might need. Essentially, the only mill cards are Traumatize. There's four of those in here. Um, and Hedron Crab. I don't see any others. So really what you're trying to do is, um, is just Traumatize yourself or get a crab in play and just uh, use its landfall ability targeting yourself. So it's a neat idea. Why um, wouldn't it run archive traps instead of instead of I mean how many traumatizes does it run? Four. Why doesn't it run like one traumatize or, or two and two on like the arc because you could get the archive trap off early game if your opponent's playing fetches, which most of the time they are, you know. Yeah, I'm not sure um maybe archive track. Uh, I mean it doesn't dig as deep as traumatize, but at the same time you don't have to wait to get to five mana most of the time, you know. And it seems like if you're waiting to get to five to play traumatize to to get your thing off, I don't know. It just seems maybe a little silly. I don't know. Am I wrong? I don't know. I'm gonna find out. Um, no, it's target opponent. That's exactly why. So it's archive it, trap, it's, right? Archive I know that. Trap. No, I know that. That's my point, though. Is a lot of your opponents will be running fetch lands. So what I'm, I'm saying oh, is... Oh, the card only, says target opponent. Yeah, it can only mill your opponent. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, I didn't it realize can't mill that. yourself. So oh, if, if an opponent searches his or her library, you can pay zero uh, other than, rather than paying its cost. Target opponent puts the top oh, 13 cards. okay. So you can't mill yourself. Well, that makes perfect um, sense now. Yeah. Okay, fine. Probably, <laughs> probably because they didn't want Dredge to be running it because it would just make Dredge in, in extended. Uh, it could just another card to help dredge. It's true. So, uh, not that they don't have other, <laughs> plenty of other options. In it's extended. true. Yeah, no, that would really make dredge extremely sick and extended. So, um, so th that's a, another deck that you can try that seems like people are having some success with it. Um, Name off the creatures that, that it's running. Uh, let's see. Architects of Will, which cycles. Mm -hmm. uh, Corpse Connoisseur, which can put a an unearthed creature into the graveyard from your library. Um, Extractor Demon, Fate Stitcher, Hedron Crab, Keterek Leviathan, which when it comes into play, return all other non-land permanents to their owner's hand. But that's that's a key card in the deck, just to, at least to remove blockers. Um, Monstrous Carabid, I don't even remember what that does. Can you click on it? No. <laughs> I just copy-pasted oh, this yeah, into, yeah, yeah, into an right. email, so it's Dirty. not a... It's not a hyperlinked. Um, Rotting Rats, Viscera Dragger, Grim Discovery, Traumatize. From what I read, I read something, sh I briefly read, skimmed over an article about this deck. And I, from what I gathered, Rotting Rats is a really annoying card to play against. 
What is that? I can't remember. It says what when that it is. comes into play, each each, each player, player discards, discards a card. card. Okay, so it helps you and hurts them. Right. Exactly. Its drawback helps you and hurts mm-hmm. them. So yeah, that's that's another option in standard. And I feel um, like if if that deck really takes off, archive trap will really could. I mean, archive trap could potentially be a card that could kill that deck. Like, right, just to mill it out. Yeah, exactly. It's like fine. You want to put stuff in your graveyard? Here, put all your stuff in your graveyard. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Um, let's see. Lastly, I believe, at least according to our list here, the only thing we haven't mentioned um, is the deck that I've been playing. I was running a red, white, and blue list, a control deck, uh, lots of counter spells, lots of burn. Um, well, not lots of burn, but enough burn. Uh, Chandra Nalar, Ajani Vengeant, Path to Exile, Celestial Purge, um, which it, it was pretty decent, but I am um, I'm a big fan of consistency in my decks, and I can't stand when I'm mana-screwed or color-screwed. And um, I had read an article by, by Kyle Sanchez on Star City Games, and he had a list that was just red-blue. So he cut the white, and he cut four of the fetch lands, so uh, it made the deck a lot more consistent. Um, it did also leave it vulnerable to certain things, but uh, I thought that looked like a good idea, so that's what I switched to. Um, I switched to just strictly red-blue, um, and... I was pretty happy with how the deck was playing um, in, in some of the games that I played, but when I played against Joe's green-white deck the other day, which we had mentioned earlier, um, he played the Great Sable Stag against me and used Orin Reef of Vasswood to pump it to 4-4, and I had no answer for it other than Burst Lightning, which I kicked. It. And, um, yeah, I kicked Burst Lightning, I played it, and he redirected. He used Harm's Way to redirect two of the damage to my Jace that had two counters on it. So, um, I mean, that's just a one, that's a blowout right there. But, and that's not the only reason I'm, I'm considering changing the deck back, but I really, um, not having any answer to something like Great Sable Stag, which is being played, uh, at least in the sideboard of Jund and, um, main deck in the Eldrazi green deck. So these two, two top lists, two top decks, both running Great Sable Stag, which I can't deal with other than with Burn, and they're both running three or four copies of... Um, actually, I don't know that Jund is running Oren Reef, but uh, Great Sable Stag can definitely be a problem. So I think I'd like to have Path to Exile available, and I'd like to have a Johnny Vengeant available. Um, I kind of feel like... I- I'm just not sure if I want to go back to the three-color deck where the mana base is suspect. I like the consistent two-color list, but I think I'm going to have to go back to adding some white just to give it a shot, see how it, how it plays. Maybe I can work on the mana base. I mean, three colors isn't terrible right now. Jund is obviously three colors. Um, you're playing a four-color control list, but I, I just I worry about not hitting the right colors, and that's, that's something that always irritates me. Um, not being able to play my spells. So that's what I've been playing. Of course, Sphinx of Dwar Isle is in the deck, which I love. I really want to play Sphinx of Lost Truth somewhere, but I don't think that's the list for it. When, when Every time I've seen... I don't know. I mean, I was playing my four-color control. I haven't played against Sphinx of Lost Truths uh, in like while I've been running other decks. But every time I saw Sphinx of Lost Truths, I kind of like shrugged my shoulders. I was like, so what? Yeah, draw your cards. Okay. Right. Well, I just think it's neat because it's uh, 
I mean, it's 3-5 five for 5 that digs deeper into your deck. It just seems like it could be good. I, I really like drawing cards. I mean, who I doesn't? Know, I know. Three cards just feels like... Even when you have to discard three, if you build a deck that can actually take advantage of that... Um, That's why my... I'm sorry to cut you off. No, That's no, why no. my green-white deck's been tripping me out. Because, like... It's a green-white deck, and I feel like I'm drawing a ton of cards from that deck, which doesn't seem like something you would normally be doing with a green-white deck. And and that really, I, I feel, is when you're running something like green-white that's a weakness, is that you're not digging very deep into your deck. You know, it, it typically means you're running some sort of aggro deck, and and you're going to run out of cards. So right. I feel like this deck keeps like refilling its hand. Or at least keeps its hand almost at the same yeah, size. Yeah, keeps the topping whole game. off its hand. Yeah, yeah ex- exactly. So I, I, I feel like that's a really cool uh, element of the green white deck is that I'm drawing. Right, and like I feel like there's got to be, I, I don't know. I just feel like there's got to be a deck out there that takes advantage of the fact that Sphinx of Lost Truths puts three cards in your graveyard. Um, obviously, you can kick it, and you don't have to do that. But that costs seven, and that's, um, you know, if you can do that, great. But I mean, using something like Grim Discovery in the deck. Grim Discovery is such a good card with fetch lands. I, I mean, I keep experiencing that with the uh, with the junk mana ramp deck, being able to sacrifice a fetch land and then get it back with Grim Discovery and use it again. I mean, especially with Landfall, uh, Lotus Cobra, and Obnixilis. But um, anyway, with Sphinx of Lost Truths, I just feel like in the right deck with the right synergies, that card can be... Uh, can be a key card. It just can be really good. So I'm kind of that's something I'm thinking about. I just haven't actually come up with a with a list or anything. So uh, anything else that you can think of that we wanted to mention? My pants and shoes are muddy from walking around the park, and it's like pissing me off for some reason. I'm like looking at my shoes and my pants. Like I was supposed to go fill out job applications today, and now I gotta go do laundry. <laughs> It kind of sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry. You were the one that wanted to walk around. I did. I wanted. I wanted to go sit on the bleachers the near one of the baseball fields. Let me just say this: there are uprights over there for football. Oh yeah. On that baseball field, which seems really stupid. Like, what are the ground rules for if a ball hits the uprights? I know they're not playing baseball. I'm kind of joking. But the funniest thing about that is. Look to your right, Joe. There are no other uprights. There's, another, there's no other set of uprights. Why is there All a the set of... All the field goals are from one spot. Why is there a set of uprights Extra on points. one side of a baseball diamond in this park? I'm so confused by that. They wanted to add some kind of element of half-court basketball. <laughs> it's half-court half court football on a baseball field. Yeah, it's just like, let's confuse everything, and... I'm gonna whack golf balls through it. Yeah. And <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so definitely uh, take a look this weekend at the coverage for Worlds. Yeah. In, in Rome, there should be some uh, interesting developments. I would, I would hope. When in Rome, play a lot of Magic, I guess. Apparently, this, for weekend. this weekend only. <laughs> so um, definitely keep an eye on that. Um, if you want to check out our blogs, mine is affinityforislands.com. Um, and mine is um, uh, it's, uh, it's it's on this website <laughs> on the internet. It's called http colon slash slash otherworldlyjourney.blogspot.com. 
yeah. And you can email us at yomtgtaps at gmail.com. And I believe we're going to start a Twitter account, um, yomtgtaps, on Twitter. You know? And if you, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I do have an account already. It's Affinity for Blue. Is my Twitter name because Islands doesn't fit. There's not enough letters. There's not enough space. Kind of ticked me off because I want it to be Affinity for Islands. Of course. Um, but Affinity for Blue. I could have used the number four, but I didn't want to do that. Um, I don't like... It's too net speak for Yeah, you. I don't like that. I want to speak proper English. At least when I write. Maybe not when I'm speaking out loud. So... Um, yeah, so thanks for listening, and hope you enjoyed this episode. Let us know, as always, if we've said anything dumb. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and if uh, you didn't enjoy this episode, too bad, we're going to make a bunch more. Then just download the other episodes, because there's lots of good podcasts on MTG Cast. That's true. And and you can find other, other sources of information besides us. Another podcast I'll plug, because uh, last... Last episode, or episode two, I mentioned Deck Builders, and you mentioned the Mana Pool. Um, another great podcast on the MTG Cast Network is In Contention. That's a really cool uh, cool cast. I like that one. I don't think I've had a chance to listen to that one yet. I haven't had one. reliable internet in uh, a month or so, so I'm, I'm kind of a little out of the loop in terms of podcasts, although... Uh, a week or two ago, I was able to indulge myself in the last three or so episodes of Tribal Time with Tom, and it was totally awesome. I, I was looking at Vine Lasher Kudzu in somebody's uh, binder the other day, like, ooh, Vine Lasher Kudzu, and I was like, wait, I'm not building the plants deck, but... Uh, <laughs> Thank you for listening. Hope you die. I mean, have a great day. Bye. I wanted to mention the fact that you look like you just got off the set of Top Gun and I'm like two shades blew away from being in the gang, but... <laughs> <laughs>